Hello my lovely listeners and welcome to Is That A Dog Here In My Tea? My name is Colin Taylor and today it's just me, only me, I'm sorry, there's no guests, but there will be one very shortly regarding the same subject. So, sit back, relax, learn, groom a dog, whatever you want, but enjoy. How is everybody doing? My name is Colin Taylor. Yes, thank you very much, thank you very much, blah, 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 thank you, thank you. First of all, I want to thank everybody who has found a huge, huge interest in the podcast, Is That A Dog Here In My Tea? I am having so much fun doing them, and I'm also learning as I go along. Anyway, so yesterday I did a podcast, and it covered probably too many subjects for one podcast, and it was a little bit mishmash. And there was a couple of people who got, got upset about it online. And so I decided I was going to delete the podcast or unpublish it. And I am going to do another one today on the one subject, which is various names of grooming, of how we groom. So um, I will be having a guest on the podcast later on in the month regarding this subject. But I wanted to give you first my opinion. Now, first of all, once again, this is just my opinion. And before I go any further, I've done a lot of research on the subject I'm about to talk about. And I have to say, I've had many people give me so many different answers. And that is very confusing. And I would have thought that there would have been one reason for doing the one thing that people do or the way people name things. Now, first of all, I've been grooming for 35 years, and that does not mean to say, A, I know everything, B, I only have one opinion, and that one opinion will be forever, and C, going back to B, my opinion can be changed. So I do have to go back on the three names, which really um, new names towards grooming. So we have, or let's say four names, okay? We have professional pet stylist, we have um, we have holistic groomer, and I have done some research, and most people just advertise themselves themselves as a holistic groomer. Then we have a force free groomer, and then we have the fear free groomer, and then we have the consent grooming. Now. I'm not confused, and the person who was not upset with me, she's a very lovely lady, actually, and she made a very good post and a very good comment, and I'm not upset with her whatsoever. But she did say, but by the way I was sounding, I didn't understand, and that was the wrong way of saying it. I mean, I don't understand why we can't put all of these words under the first one I came said, which was, professional pet stylist. Now, I also understand that us in grooming and the way we promote ourselves in our business, we sometimes like to give ourselves different names because it does set ourselves apart from the other people. Now, one lady made a good comment today and she talked about force-free grooming. So let's talk about force-free grooming too. First, my opinion I was under was that force-free grooming force-free grooming meant 
that you groom a dog with totally no restraints, no restraints on the dog at all. So no neck aid, no belly strap if needed, and blah de blah. Now a lady made a good comment, and she said um, that forcefully grooming in her mind was not forcing the dog through the actual procedure. So I get it, and I do understand that. But I do have to say, what happens when we do not finish the dog? I have sent dogs home myself who have not been um, able to be finished because of various reasons. Aggression, nerves, um, dog just not looking well and um, or not be you know, becoming well throughout the, throughout the procedure. And they have gone home. And you know what? But I have to say, when are we going to get to the situation where we're sending more dogs home because we are promoting the fact of, you know what? You're not supposed to force your way through the groom. Okay? So this is where I get confused. I'm not stupid. I understand exactly the meanings, but there are different meanings from different people for force three grooming. Then there is holistic grooming, which I have to say, I love it. I'm around holistic people 24-7, um, people, um, and including my husband, meditates. He's very holistic. He's very zen. I love the whole holistic approach. Um, I love the way that we can turn a grooming salon into a zen parlor. Because you know what? I do have to say, and I've gone into many grooming salons, I would love to see it be more of a calm, tranquil um a feel to it and you know i was watching an american girl who did a video about her salon and she had hot towels and it was just a really nice kind of feel and feeling and an approach um you know of having that nice calm demeanor now once again when i think about holistic those are the words i think about calm relaxing zen so i would imagine but you're doing the more holistic approach so, and it could be the way you handle the dog. It could be the products you use on the dog. It could be many, 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 many things. So I'm all for that. Um, then we come to um, fear-free grooming. So you don't want the dog to be fearful of grooming. And I get that. But don't we all want that? Don't we, are we all aiming for dogs to come into our shop happy is it a reality? No, not necessarily, because there are some things we don't enjoy. Do we all go skipping up to the dentist when we have our teeth done? Um, no, we don't. Some of us are nervous wrecks, me included. And I think it's one situation, again, where it comes down to handling. If we know that Fluffy is coming in today and Fluffy is a nervous dog, then we have to adapt the situation to make Fluffy more relaxed, which may mean Fluffy's the first dog in, in the morning or the last dog in, in the afternoon. It could be where you are doing Fluffy totally one-to-one -one with no distractions around you. Um, I think, once again, it comes down to being a professional pet stylist. And as a professional pet stylist, aren't we supposed to cover um, all the little aspects I've talked about when it comes to fear-free, making sure the dog's happy, 
when it comes to forestry, not forcing things necessary upon a dog, but also understanding that sometimes a job's got to get done, whether the dog likes it or not, because at the end of the day, they have to go home with a haircut. It may take a couple of times. Like I said, the dog may have to come back a couple of times. But, um, you know, I do feel that we do have to sometimes get on with our jobs. And that's just me being realistic. Then we come down to consent grooming. Now, I will put my hand up. I just heard the word and I laughed. I didn't do no research into it because to me, it's a little bit like when I watched Good Morning England and they were talking about consent with babies, you know, um, you know, and I just think it's going a little bit too far. When are we going to stop with the words? When are we going to just get on with our jobs and care for the animals? And as a professional pet stylist say, I'm a professional pet stylist. And the number one thing I think about all the time is the welfare of the pet which then should cover all them words, force-free, fear-free, consent-free, you know, uh, oh, sorry, consent-groomer, not consent-free. You know what? So that's where I'm getting at. You guys must listen to me sometimes and think, what the hell is he talking about? He needs to get, up, get off his high horse. And you know what? Yeah, you're right. Sometimes I do need to get off my high horse, but sometimes I look at Facebook and I'm like, are you kidding me? What are we going to come up with next? What are we going to do next? So, you know, I do have some questions. And when it comes to not forcing something on a dog, do you know how many people I have spoken to in seminars and they've sent a dog home with a dewclaw curling around into its back pad? Because, first of all, as groomers, new groomers, we all are scared to cut a dog's nails. But second of all, they don't know what to do. Is it my job? Is it a vet's job? Do I tell the owner? Of course you tell the owner. But the problem I have is, is that owner, that's my printer, sorry guys, is my owner going to take my advice and go to the vet and get this sorted right away? Does my owner have enough money? Are they financially able to do such a job? Now, I look at the situation, and this is where I think about, okay, as a 4-3 groomer, I'm going to put the dog on the table, and the dog's going to cry when I pick up its leg. So I'm immediately going to stop what I'm doing and send that dog home without that dew claw being cut. Now, this is where you may have a problem with what I'm going to say next. But I am going to bring up the saying, um sometimes you have to be cruel to be kind now cutting a nail which is curled around into the back pad is probably going to be uncomfortable for about 10 seconds of you picking up that leg and cutting it but think about all the pain that dog was in prior coming to you and think about all the dog all the pain the dog's going to be in leaving you especially if the owner doesn't really have the same passion as you do and is not going to go to the vet or doesn't have the financial ability to go to the vet but they're too embarrassed to say something to you when really you could have grabbed that leg cut that dew claw yes the dog could have yelped and all that kind of stuff but you know what isn't that better than having a dog go home in agony 
because I don't know if any of you guys have had a um, toothache, for instance, and you're in agony, you're in agony, oh my God, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts. But we do have a voice, don't we, to say, please, can I go to the vet? Not like dogs, dogs don't have that voice. And we go to the dentist, did I say vet? I did, didn't I? We go to the dentist and we're, at, we're in agony, we're in the waiting room, we're in agony and suddenly they say, Colin, come through. And you're in that chair, you're in agony and the vet's, and, and the vet, God damn. And the, dent <laughs> and the dentist says to you, okay, um, we're going to have to pull that tooth because it's, you know, because it's bad or whatever, or you're going to have to have a fill-in or whatever it may be. But first, we're going to have to give you an injection to numb it. And if we're going to pull it, we're going to pull it. And then you say, or I say, is it going to hurt? And they say, well, the injection may be a little bit uncomfortable for a minute. And also, the pulling the tooth may feel a bit uncomfortable. And also, after, it may be a little bit uncomfortable. But, guys, come on. Who's had a toothache? And when they've left that dent without that pain, you're thinking, praise the Lord. But you know what? We've had the voice to say, I'm going to go to the dentist. The dog doesn't. So when you're in that situation, we got to kind of think about that, don't we? So I don't have a problem with people who are experienced wanting to kind of change things up. But I do have a problem with people that are experienced that are teaching um young groomers to do something which potentially could be very very dangerous because like i said yesterday and i'm going to repeat it on this podcast if you have a dog and it's on the table and let's just say it's the dog's name's billy billy's a border terrier has been coming to you for five years and you know what billy's amazing i trust billy i know billy i know him like the back of my hand and Billy's on the table and you don't have any neck aid on the dog or anything. And suddenly a, dog, a car drives past and honks the horn or a fire truck or a bird flies into the window, whatever it may be. And Billy gets spooked and jumps off the table. Okay. Now you could be the best groomer in the world and still you could catch the dog and have great reflexes. But I have to say this, nine times out of 10, a new groomer who has just come into the industry has too many things to think about at the same time to then say, oh my God, now I've got to catch Billy before he lands on the floor. And Billy could land on the floor if you don't catch him and he could land on his back and get paralyzed. He could land on his legs and break a leg or he could land on his legs and run away and be totally fine and run into a crane and not have any problems at all. But is that situation good for Billy to actually have to have had that done and have that, you know, could that have spooked him for the future grooms or anything like all that kind of stuff? My issue and or my concern or my question is, do you walk down the side of a highway without a leash around your dog's neck? What is the difference between having a, a collar and a leash around your dog's neck to having a safety strap around a stranger's dog that you just happened to groom? What is the difference between them two things? Now, let me tell you something. For instance, when me and Coleman take Jigsaw to the woods, we park next to the woods and we open up the door, which goes right into the woods. 
but I still put a leash on, I connect the leash to the collar, so I walk him into the woods. I'm not going to have him just assume he's going to stroll out the car and go into the woods, because I'm parked on a road. So I'm going to use my brain and say, you know what, put the leash on the collar, walk him into the woods a couple of hundred yards, and then let him off. And I just don't get it. I don't understand why groomers have to feel that there's no need to have a neck strap. Now, or a neck aid, or a noose. I hate the word noose, and I always, always hate using that word. So, and but people do, because that's how they get their point across. We don't want to use a noose. Well, actually, it's a neck aid. It's there to help you through the groom. And, but I do have to say this, and I will come on to your side of the fence when it comes to using neck aids. For people that do use neck aids, and you have to understand, guys, that you have to allow a dog to have its natural, to natural way of stance or their stacking. So if a dog wants to have their head down, they should be allowed to have their head down. You shouldn't be forcing your dog to have their head up if it doesn't want to. That I totally agree with. And I've always said that. When it comes to belly straps, if you're trying to do a back leg and the dog keeps on sitting down, instead of holding that dog up with your hand because it's going to ache and get crampy after a while, put a belly strap on the dog, put a belly strap on it, put a ring on it, and do the back leg and then take the belly strap off and let the dog sit down. I think we've got to a point where either people don't use them at all or people maybe sometimes use them too much. And I do also have to say, but when I see people using belly straps and I see photos on Facebook, I do cringe because they're on way, way, way too tight. When you put a belly strap on a dog and then you attach it to the H-frame, first of all, the, H, the, strap from the, the strap from the belly strap to the H-frame should go up in a straight line, not being pulled back so it looks like the dog's pulling on this belly strap. And also, you should be able to get your two fingers underneath the abdomen, between the abdomen and the belly strap. So that way, if the dog does go to sit down, it fills the belly strap and stands right back up. This is the difference. And I think a lot of people, maybe the people that are the um, force-free or restraint-free or whatever it may be, um, I do have to say, yes, I, I will agree and say I've seen some horrible pictures. However, on the other flip side of that, I have seen some horrible, horrible stories. And I witnessed and seen it firsthand, being in the room of groomers, not being prepared and not having the correct aids for their dog so they can groom that dog. Because it's important. You have to make sure the dog's welfare is taken care of first. And that dog's welfare, guys, isn't just pampering, playing around with the dog, taking forever with the dog. Because let me tell you something, when somebody takes forever on a dog, I do have to question the dog's welfare also there also. Okay, so you're spending three hours on a dog when somebody else can do it in an hour and a half, but you're being extra, extra gentle. That's fine and dandy, but you know what, guys? Three hours? Come on, that's, in my opinion, too long. Unless you're a new groomer, then that's okay because you're learning. You are learning, and normally 
you're doing one-to-one and that's your gig and that's fine and I'm totally good with that also. But I do have to say, I wanted to get this point across, maybe in a more delicate way when I wasn't so probably fired up. Do I have still issues on the one big one, which is consent grooming? Absolutely. I think we've got to the point where it's like, you know what, what's going to be next? Virtual grooming? Grooming, you know, I'm going to groom your dog from the comfort of my own home and, and your dog in the comfort of it, its own home. We've we've got to be, we're going a little bit too over the top here with certain things and I get it, but we have to set ourselves apart from other groomers. But at the same time, I think we have to understand, but we're there to also do a job and um, we have to look at dogs. And this is when I am totally for this when it comes to reading dogs' body language. Is a dog aggressive? Is a dog aggressive? Or is that dog just being um, naughty? Or is that dog nervous? Because each one of those words I've just said, you would handle that dog in a different way. Aggressive, nervous, naughty. And um, I do have to say, I totally have seen, we've all seen all these kind of dogs. And we have to all treat them all differently. And we have to handle them all differently. And um, once again, when it comes to this job, it is all about handling. And lots and lots of people made a comment, you know, about the the words I've just talked about. Force-free, holistic, um, consent-free, or, you know, fear-free. Don't we do that anyway under the title of professional pet stylist? We are professionals, we are qualified, and when I say the word qualified, I don't mean it in exams, I mean I am qualified to groom that dog on my table with the utmost care and making sure that dog's welfare is taken care of and making sure that yes, it's a Westie and it's going to look like a Westie when it goes home. That's what I mean by qualified, so don't get mixed up there. But anyway, I hope this makes a little bit more sense. I am going to bring somebody on here who actually does um, seminars for force-free grooming. I talked to her at Crubs this year. She's a lovely lady. And um, I want to really delve into this aspect because you know what? I think if we are all supposed to work together, we have to come to a happy medium me included, but also everybody else and also the other side who is for all, you know, all of the above when it comes to, you know, making sure, but whether it be restraint-free or whatever it may be. But the only advice I can give, if you are looking at being anything, please, please, please remember that these are not your dogs. These are clients' dogs. And the number one thing that you should be looking for is that dog's welfare and I'm going to go back to what I said before would you walk down the side of a highway without a collar and lead on your dog and I would probably hope the answer would be no unless you are one of the best dog trainers in the world and you have one of these dogs who is I don't know but even then I don't think they would because you know anything could happen a dog is an amazing thing, but they are an animal and they have a mind of their own. And sometimes when you want them to go left, they go right. And sometimes when you want them to go down, they go up. 
And it's just the nature of the game. And I think we have to remember that. But always, 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 welfare of the dog comes first. And we are professional groomers. And all them words which I've talked about, we should be covering that as a professional groomer. Anyway, I hope that gets the point across. I love you guys. If you guys have any questions, please do send me a message. Talk to me and we will talk to you soon. And we will talk to you when we come to episode, I think, what, 28? Yeah, I think it was 28. See, I pushed that button a little bit too early on the exit. But anyway... Have a great day and we will talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye.